welcome to the Ground Game Podcast. I'm your host, Bushido Squirrel, and today we have tenants from the Ellison coming in. Now, this is part of a push that we're doing to try and bring some some protection and relief to tenants across the city who are fighting with really, really shady landlords. Uh, go, go ahead and head over to knock-la.com. We have an article up where you can see photos from this, and also sign up so we can send postcards to the city so that we can get some movement on this and stop these kinds of slumlord-like conditions from taking over our city. Today we're talking to Bruce, Mary, and Kelly, who are living at the Ellison in Venice at the moment, uh, and have been experiencing some really weird tactics going on with their landlord and his very shady behavior. So, before we get started, how are you all doing today? Good to be here. Outstanding. Excellent. So, tell me a little bit about the Ellison and the building's history and your current problems with the new owner. Well, I'm probably the person who's lived there the longest. I've lived there for 40 years. Pretty much the same ownership, <clears throat> pretty much the same tactics, tenant churning, making it uh, just livable enough that people move in and then move out, and then you get to charge whatever the market will bear. Uh, 30 years ago, he decided he wasn't making enough money, so he put in uh, illegal youth hostel, and his latest ploy to make an obscene amount of money is to convert our building, which is completely residentially zoned, RD 1.5. He's turning it into an illegal hotel. Uh, We used to have 58 tenants, because 58 units, the largest RSO building in Venice. Mm -hmm. Now we're down to a dozen tenants who have either been evicted or driven out. And now, as I told some person uh, during another interview, Whereas we used to have tenants or neighbors for 20 years, now we have them for 20 hours. Mm-hmm. And it's a constant influx of people. Uh, he offers free booze during the weekends, free entertainment. Well, <laughs> magic acts and fire dancers and amplified music. And uh, I think most of the te- uh, ho- hotel guests are a little... Uh, nonplussed by it, like what's going on? It's not like what they signed up for. Uh, they tend to bring in friends of staff to make it look like it's actually well attended, but none of the tenants go there. And it's like you've seen one fire dancer. Uh, you don't need to see it 60 more times. But So I got to ask, this isn't like him running an Airbnb, it sounds like. It's more like he's trying to run a mini Hilton. Uh, you yeah, know, like a like a hard rock cafe, but a really bad rock well, cafe. It, it, it's like anything that's successful. I mean, at the Hotel Ir- Irwin, they have like a bar on the roof. He wants yeah. to do that. And right now in Venice, you have like, you know, the townhouse house, the comedy bar. Everybody's doing these live venues. And he's trying to cap in on that sort of, you know, venue in law. And I know so Ed, he's serving food now so he can... Not cooked food yet, so he can have a restaurant in there. He's trying to get into everything he can possibly can for for a, a, you know, a tourist sort of environment. And I'll piggyback on Mary and say he does it the cheapest way possible. Oh, yeah. So it's not like the food and everything sounds really great, I'm sure, to hear that. But when you're there, it it's Costco. It's like just cheap, cheap, cheap. The rooftop is ghetto. I have to imagine the the profits that he's putting into the hotel are obviously coming back into making the building a lot nicer for you. No, right? no way. In <laughs> no way, shape, or form. It's basically yeah. spraying lice all over. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Uh, I mean that the 
infrastructure of this building has been so poorly maintained and it's starting to collapse. Mm -hmm. And instead of putting in decent money to fix severe pro plumbing problems and issues, he's paying money to have murals painted on the outside of the building, to have artists' photographs put on there. He, he's putting in marble countertops when he has such severe infrastructure problems with the electricity and the plumbing. Or the leaking roof, like when, with the Morton salt shaker of buildings, when it rains, it pours inside. Um, you, uh, Bruce, have been there for 40 years. What's the history of the building? Do you know how long it's been there and how long the current owner has had it? It's two, it's two five-story brick buildings facing one another with a central courtyard. Uh, the first side was built over 100 years ago, like 110 years. Then they added the second one and put an elevator in between. So, and that's about 100 years old, but so average about 105 years old between them, 60 58 units and uh, a laundry room and then a, a workshop. So it, it has, it was, the Ellison family owned the building for forever. Uh, Lance J. Robbins claims that it used to be a hotel. The city attorney took him to court and said, no, it's an apartment. And what defines an apartment is that it has a kitchen, which is why some of the Scofflaw developers like... Uh, Carl uh, Lambert, uh, whenever he talks to the city for like 417 Oceanfront Walk, he wants to remove the kitchens. So he'll never have to say, yeah, hey, it's a hotel. It doesn't have a kitchen. But uh, the history of the building is that um, Yvonne Brathway Burke, city councilwoman, back in the 70s, sold the building, tried to come to the tenants and say, look, you got to buy your own units. We'll sell them to you for dirt cheap. Um, and we couldn't get it together enough people to do it. So Lance J. Robbins and Paloma Partners took over. Now, who Paloma Partners is, we have no idea. It changes. Is it Robert Artner? Is it Dwayne Weaver? Is it Urban Smart Growth? Is it Artiste? Uh, we recently had a 24-hour notice of inspection for general maintenance inspection, and two guys showed up with video cameras. They weren't maintenance. They were they probably were investors. Yeah. Probably well, investors from another company. They're working for RE investments. So they're not the owners, but that's cats. That's the, that's they own we thought Lance is involved in twenty buildings. RE investments if, who if these guys are who we think they are, because you see them on Yelp. They own two hundred buildings. So now you're talking about really deep pockets and really kind of scary. This isn't the first time uh, Mr. Robbins has had legal issues with his buildings. He's got quite a history. If you want to tell us a bit about that. He's a convicted slumlord. James. What, what does that mean? What was he convicted for? James Hahn convicted him of being a slumlord with terrible conditions, infestations in the 90s. And he uh, is a censured attorney. Mm -hmm. And he also lost his real estate license. Mm -hmm. So he, he's been censured by the California Bar. And he's still allowed to own and administer these we properties. We thought he wasn't allowed to own any property. This is the first time I've actually seen him put his name publicly on any of the properties that he owns in Los Angeles. Uh, uh, I was one of the people who started a tenants association back in the late 80s against him for lack of maintenance. And it took us four years, but we got the building put into REAP. 
Um, Barbara Pratt, a city uh, building inspector, had 16 handwritten pages of violations, none of which were addressed until we put the building into REAP, which was a monumental undertaking for people like us. Uh, within two months, all 16 pages of violations were taken care of because money talks with this guy. Same guy. Right. And I imagine the building's been RSO for a while, like at least since 1978. Can you can you talk about what it's like having an RSO building in Venice? Because I've got an RSO unit in Palms, and like I would die for that unit. Uh, you know, not that that would keep my rent down, but like it's really important and really hard to find those nowadays. So what's it like having a location like this and the community that comes with that RSO status? Uh, I enjoy it very much. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, all of us neighbors are really close and, and really look out for each other. Uh, it's nice knowing what your rent's going to go up to every year. Um, but but on that note, our, our landlord does, there's a 3%, and then he adds another 2% on top of that. Yeah. So we were talking earlier about how we are actually subsidizing with that extra 2% rent increase, these hotel, this hotel and all of the electrical use and laundry water mm. use through our own rent. Because so, the, the 2% is for utilities and stuff. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So 40% of the rent increases for utilities, right? 2% to 5%. Uh, in 1979, when I moved in, I was paying $150 rent. Don't freak out. <laughs> uh, but 5% a year means I'm paying 1650 and I'm getting a rent increase. So 40% of my $1,500 rent increase is for utilities. So I'm paying $600 a month in utilities? Some for a 450 square foot apartment. Now, uh, they, when they look at buildings throughout LA, they kind of go, "What? how much does a one bedroom cost? The most expensive is 2,700 a month, and that's in Beverly Hills or Bel Air. Mm -hmm. Except those apartments are 900 to 970 square feet. Kelly pays the same amount of rent for less than 500 square feet. Oh wow! So I mean, all of the build, all of the apartments are under 500 square feet, 450 to 490. So we are paying more per square foot than any place in LA for an RSO building, and we're getting. And by the way, that two percent increase for utilities, legally, that's only supposed to be applied if DWP has raised mm. the rates. And yeah, well, they haven't. Not every year. But he <laughs> and and he's been pulling some very kind of Trump-like tactics, uh, trying to make you all very uncomfortable. And some kind of like scary stuff has happened. So I'm hoping you you could tell me about this. And Kelly, you had a specifically like scary incident that happened very close to your unit. Yeah. Um. Uh. One night, my whole apartment shook, and I, I didn't know. I I thought it was inside my apartment. Something fell in my closet. So I'm looking around, nothing. So I sit back down, and then. All of a sudden, I hear the, the building manager at the time scream my name. So I come outside, and there's 
a man laying outside of my apartment who had fell off or jumped off of the the fifth floor observation deck of the building. And was so, there like an event going on, one of his weekend parties, or this was just somebody who was able to get into the building? He there um there was likely an event. I can't say for sure, but uh, he got into it. The you know there's no security in our building whatsoever. So somehow he got up to the roof. It's not hard. And and for these parties, like are these kind of word of mouth things? Does he advertise? Is he charging an entry fee? Like what are these events like? If I was to be invited to one, there's a six foot tall sign yeah, posted the on the front of the, the in, at the gate uh, where it'll say wine tasting and Chinese opera or the styling musical stylings of Gary or uh, the magician act or the stuntman act and free wine, free beer uh, and snacks and and the gate wide open and the gate is wide open. <laughs> so whenever we have these average of twice a week for the last two years uh the security gate will be open and there's nobody guarding the gate so you'll have people want this is venice after all right i mean there are some i mean i'm a sketchy person but there are sketchier people who wander in so yeah but but it's significantly changed now I, i i mean the demographic they have removed most people that were poor, working poor, and of color. They were the first ones to get pushed out. They did huge sweeps in Ghost Town, Mm, I think about in 2003 or four, where they went in and they forced out anybody who had a history with gangs Mm. out of there. And that's right before they took over Lincoln Place. The the famous gang injunctions. Yeah, yeah, and Lincoln Place. They've pushed out all the people. I mean, we, we are the remnants of these poor individuals. And these people probably didn't have access to the resources we do. And it's criminal. I, I, I mean, it's gross. It's gross. I, I was going to say, when I, I lived in Venice around 2004, 2005, uh, I was working for Ray Flores over the the board gallery. And there was a real old school Venice vibe. And now that I go back, it feels like it's gone. But what's it like been watching that happen? And what are y'all doing with your neighbors to try and keep that vibe and keep kind of keep what Venice is? It, it's heartbreaking. Um, when I first moved to Venice, I... I found a community there. I knew everybody. I found a face where I belonged. Now I look around and it's become a high-priced trend elite sort of activity there. And and you don't know people anymore. I went, my husband and I went to our local bar last night. We didn't see anybody we knew. And, and the pricing and, you know, it's, it's, it's a hipster doofus paradise. And I always get nervous when I see that many white people together. (laughs) Well, 16 million tourists a year now come to Venice, and that means money in the city coffers. Uh, But there are also homeless people on both uh, on Dudley, which is we're framed by Dudley Speedway and Paloma. Uh, well, there's no homeless people on Speedway because it's full of Uber drivers and shuttle services and whatnot. But, but on on Paloma and Dudley, yes. And uh, and as Mary said, it's like well, we used to know all of our neighbors. Now we don't know any of them. There were six common areas in our building. There was the roof deck. Well, we have to pay extra if we want to go up there. Really? As residents, you have to pay extra? Well, that's it's like we told. don't, that's what we were told, yeah. but we don't even go up there because yeah. it's like, a, you know, it's like a soccer team up there. You're not going to be doing downward dog, uh, you know, <laughs> yoga with some soccer team staring at your rear end. Uh, there was a third floor landing that was had a nice canopy over it. 
Now they've kind of colonized that with uh, storage sheds for the maids' carts because, uh, well, um, the front courtyard was a nice place to hang out, but now that's where the tourists, I mean, the, the hotel guests, they have to check out by 11 and then they can check in at 3, but people are waiting around yeah. with all their luggage. So that area is gone. The lobby was where our mailboxes used to be. We come out of the elevator, hi, how you doing? Well, now the lobby has a desk three times the size of yours, dividing it in half. And on the other half, there's a coffee bar and a concierge desk, and they ripped out our mailboxes because, hey, you don't need 58 mailboxes anymore. We can put you in, we can put you in the, uh, the stairwell. The interior courtyard, which was beautiful, full of trees, that's where the music concerts occur twice a week. In a walkway. They have a fire dancer and a contain, small contained area with no fire extinguishers. Really? None. Wow. I'm surprised, like, knowing people who do that, I'm surprised any of them would, would perform there because, like, that seems incredibly unsafe. I, 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 what astounds me is it's a walkway. They have chairs in the dirt. I, I, I mean, it, it, it's... Uh, my overall, one of my overall concerns about this is that the city obviously is very aware of this. This is an unregulated business, and you're dealing with an individual who clearly has no regard for safety. Or and the how law. can they? Or how the can law. they? Sorry, I mean, he's got a history of this. How can they do nothing? They're compliant, and if somebody gets hurt, they're responsible. We are all responsible for this. This man is negligent, and I am stunned that something hasn't happened. I'm stunned. Um, well, to Mary's point, the, there, there's, it's not handicap accessible. So if someone has a physical, even mental disability, I mean, there's, that's, if something happens, people are gonna get hurt. You know, Bruce is all the way up at the fifth floor. He suffers from breathing issues and, you know, this, yeah. you know, it's just, no one's gonna be able to get out of there. All the, the walkways are blocked and I mean, I was going to say something crude about the fire dancer, but... We, we, we had... I, I live we underneath a fire there. escape. We have bathtubs there for three weeks. Blocking the fire escape? Yeah. yeah. Wow. We, have, so we, we have a, a construction pit right now where they drained up all this cement. And uh, it's still sitting there. It's been there a month, and they just kept putting more debris on it. And they still have... And it's right behind where the shows are. I saw a guy trying to cover it up with a blanket. Ha! It's no coincidence that the survivors are on the ends. Mm. Yeah. Kelly, Mary, and myself, for instance, we are all on the end. And I'm on the fifth floor about as far away from it as you can get. But one of the people who can't be here because he's still convalescing, he's in a garden apartment. So essentially, when they have the fire dancer or the Chinese opera or the amplified music or the people eating food, it's in his front yard. Yeah. The chairs, the chairs are put there. Yeah. Oh, wow. He was in the hospital having surgery. He came home, and because people are always eating the free food, it draws rodents. So he comes home from the hospital, and he has a rodent infestation. I walk by, and I say, what are you doing? You're just kind of like leaning up against your, your, your uh, steps, and he's crying. He said, I just got out of the hospital, and I've got mice and roaches in my house. And I'm asking them to send out somebody to yeah. take care of it. And I've been waiting all day. 
So I go and I ask the manager, I said, well, what's up with that? He said, well, you know, he wasn't, he didn't let them in when they came. I said, he, he didn't let him in because he was in the, the hospital. <laughs> So I, 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 I need to ask for, um, when it comes to the staff that you keep mentioning, could you describe that for me? Because I, most apartment buildings that I know of don't have like staff or cleaning staff or cleaning carts. So it seems like y'all are living like kind of in a hotel, but it really, really shouldn't be. And I'm trying to, to gauge for our audience how much of this is being run like an actual hotel. Uh, 43 of the unit, there's 11 tenants. That they are being actively used as hotels. And this is Venice. It's hot. And they do not, people want to be there. So yeah. you have an incredible turnover. They don't have enough maids there. The maids' carts are everywhere. Um, the whole lobby, it's influx of the guests, influx of the guests. Everything is there is around the guests. I've had issues in my apartment, and I'm a patient woman, I understand the situation, that have been put off mm -hmm. because they get someone in to do the work, and last time they tried to do it, the floor of the elevator collapsed. And he had to go fix that. And I, I personally think that they are more interested in trying to get me out of that apartment than doing the work. My neighbor found my annual rent increase on the floor of the lobby. If he hadn't found it and I didn't get it, I would have been evicted. I didn't get my mail for six weeks. Wow. When they moved the, when they moved mail the mailbox out of the lobby All into a stairwell. are getting stolen. And they have video cameras, and they won't ever look at it. I mean, they had the staff there. I sympathize with them a little bit because he picks on, especially the maintenance and the maids. It's are these unionized it, it, staff? Do you think? <laughs> no, I, I no. can't explain. I have to tell you the truth. To me, it's yeah. absolutely surreal to me that this is functioning and successful. Yeah. I mean, uh, they pay people off with bottles of wine. To, to give good reviews, and quite frankly, it's a dump. Mm -hmm. And it's getting worse because he has neglected the infrastructure of this building. As it starts collapsing, the more he replaces stuff, the more it collapses. These people are being exposed to the same thing we are. Marble being cut in the courtyard without water. They're being subjected to the, to the plumbing issues, all the construction issues. And they're coming to this city in good faith that this is a licensed and regulated building, and they're being subjected to this. I don't know if you I can mean, imagine it's, it's how loud a marble stunning. saw is when yes. the two buildings are facing one another about 15 feet apart. It acts like a, a five-story megaphone. Yeah, it's just an echo chamber. Now, for the first 35 years that I lived there, we had a resident manager who yeah. sometimes would call in a maintenance guy. That was it. That's all we needed. And maintenance was subpar, but it was not horrific. You know, we had ceilings collapse, but they'd fix it. And it was like, you know, catch as catch can. Wait for something bad to go wrong and then fix it. Now, well, there's three or four maintenance people, but they deal with hotel stuff. God knows how many maids, what, five, six? That's, I think it's lower than that. Uh, four or five incompetent people on, on short hours behind the behind the lobby desk who don't know where anything is they've built uh masonite storage facades across the uh i don't know what to call that the, the, the garden, garden level the garden level <laughs> ground, except ground level behind basement. that they're locked so they use that to store temporarily luggage for people who arrive early but behind that are like the the breaker boxes mm -hmm. 
So you the, can't get and to the them. Gas and you can't, you can't the lock gas. those. No, no. Well, they are locked. That's yeah. where they made store their carts. It's where the, they, the tourists store their luggage. That's where the some the, the part-time ownership stores her extra lamps and, mm -hmm. and stuff. And it's they're all locked. If you need to get in, which I needed to get into the breaker box, one of the one of the maintenance people said, "Oh, that's ridiculous. Let me. I'm going to open it with a crowbar." He got fired. For yeah, yeah, for doing that. And so I want to ask: He's not uh, the building's not listed on Airbnb, as you said earlier. So where is he advertising? How is he finding people to come stay in these? TripAdvisor, Booking.com, Hotel.com, Expedia, all those major sites. And and it's frightening because clearly these businesses aren't checking to make sure these that it's been inspected, it's up to code, and it's licensed. And where's the responsibility? I mean, the, the, the degree of neglect from every party here is, is outstanding to me. I mean, people are coming here from this country. L.A.'s hot right now. And we are allowing them to be served disgusting, disgusting. And uh, when it comes to, like, TripAdvisor and stuff like that, they always claim that they get, like, a better view of the land or, like, a better, you know, mm -hmm. truer system because people can rate hotels, people can file complaints through, like, online forms and stuff. Has that been happening? Yeah, and they've been – you can look at TripAdvisor and all of a sudden they have all five-star reviews and terrible reviews. And all the terrible reviews say the same thing. Uh, we were offered a bottle of wine if we came in and showed them we gave a good review on TripAdvisor. Um, they got a reward from Trip from TripAdvisor. <laughs> I, I mean, and, and you can see it, and it's it's. I mean, I've seen five star reviews that compare it to the Hilton, mm -hmm. and, and, and I think oh, I think and, and TripAdvisor clearly doesn't have like the the centering system that Yelp has, mm -hmm. because you can tell the language. I've seen ones that on different sites they have the same language in it. I mean, it, it's. And people are whores, man. I mean, I mean to, to, to accept a cheap bottle of wine to say this place is great is pretty gross. Yeah. I did want to tag in uh, Trinidad here. Uh, so I wanted to, to talk about why it is uh, uh, Mr. Robbins can't just throw all of these nice people out on their butts. They have some protections here in California, but that's also why he's pursuing this strategy, it seems to me. That's right. Um, they live in an RSO building, so they're protected. You can't just uh, have under, just cause evictions under the. Under the uh, well, if he Ellis's the building, that complicates things because then he has to either tear down the building and build something new, if that's the intention, uh, or if he's not, the building has to say, sit vacant for like five years, four yeah. years, or something like that's that. If he was to evict everybody, so he wouldn't be making any money. And obviously, mm -hmm. that point here is to make as much money as possible. Now, if he manages to evict all the tenants, he could legally apply to rezone that property. So the few tenants that are there now are preventing him from doing that. So that's why there's an ongoing harassment of these tenants. Uh, you know, it, it, in, I saw some images of uh, saw, um, table saws placed right outside of a, unit, of, of a tenant's unit. So you can imagine how you probably can't even hear yourself think. Yeah. Um, and plus, there's no vacuum for any of the dusts. So uh, uh, I, it's just it's just 
awful. And so you can imagine that dust gets into everything uh, with sawdust uh, from stone, from concrete, from marble. Um, it's incredibly dangerous. And, um, you know, heaven forbid someone walks out of their door, trips and then falls on the, on the table saw. So that's just one one example. Um, and, and this is just ongoing harassment. I mean, this is this is this is an apartment building. It's not a club. It's not it's not the Hollywood Bowl. Um, and and that's how it's being treated now the city again they, you know the tenants here are correct saying that the city is aware of the issue um, there's also a lawsuit a civil suit against Lance Robbins um, so we're, we're going that way as well uh, we're meeting pretty soon with the uh, city council member Mike Bonin um, so we're really trying to put a lot of pressure into get rid of this this uh, illegal hotel um, you know what, what's been the holdup in it going on this long because this has been happening for a couple of years does it just take that long to activate the bureaucracy and get people to pay attention to it or has the the city been slow is mr robbins really good at his own legal cover you know what's the what's the story on how long it takes to get relief well you know i think actually i think bruce and uh, and, and, and uh, mary and kelly could probably answer that because they've been there the longest and but i know that he stopped the clock on a lot of this stuff so go ahead you should answer well he has two law firms he has rosario perry and thomas nitty who has one yelp review that says he's the landlord's friend Mm -hmm. um, we, all of the tenants pay, uh, I, I mispronounced, but is it a skep or a sep Skeps. fee? A skep fee. <clears throat> and that means that the building is supposed to be inspected once a year. Mm. The city sends out their inspector. There is a, an attorney from Thomas Nitty saying, no, no, you can't come in. Get a search warrant. Get a search warrant. And then he su Lance sued the city, saying that, listen, you're interfering with my right to do business, which is to run my hotel. Violating his civil rights. Ha! Now, the city eventually, again, that's the delaying tactics. Uh, all developers, but the really disgusting ones in particular, have weapons they use. They weaponize their money because they can afford to wait out a tenant. They use noise as a weapon, but they also use delaying tactics, time, right? So it's like, okay, we're going to make you so miserable that you'll eventually leave, but not so miserable that we can't get hotel people in here. So he's got that little uh, tightrope to walk. But the city did take, did go to court with Lance, and they said, yep, sorry, you're an illegal hotel, mm. right? Because you have kitchens. I mean, the, the, um, and <clears throat> Lance, of course, or his lawyers, of course, filed an appeal. Now, when again, when we back in the '80s, when we put the building into REAP, that's what we dealt with: appeals, appeals, delays, and it's he's time. Not, he's not a stupid man. He knows what he's doing, and, and that's the most frustrating thing for me. Is he got his first no compliance from the city to shut down in 2015 when there were 14 units. I thought it was done, and I have watched as he didn't allow inspectors, and what ha my fear was he was going to upgrade the building to suit the needs of the hotels without permits, without inspection, and then let the inspectors in and bring up everything up to code, which is exactly what happened. Um, I uh, still do not understand how he has been able to tell a city inspector to pound sand. Uh, he, it's an abuse of the appeal system. He should not be allowed to operate this business until it has been decided. Mm. 
How is he doing this? Can I don't think anybody can think of one industry where you can continue to run a business without a license, without being inspected, and now up to code. This is unregulated. We are living in a building that the law does not apply to. He, we live in a building with a man who gets to do whatever the hell he wants. And, and I want you to imagine what that's like. And we have no protection. I, I did want to ask, since, since it seems like legal remedy is, is not super soon forthcoming and there's a lot of barriers to that, y'all have reached out and started other forms of community resistance. So I was hoping you could tell me about that. Have you gotten the neighborhood involved? Have you begun any sort of media campaigns? How are you looking to create new pressure on Lance? We've been very fortunate um, by a, a lady named Judy Goldman with Keep Neighborhood First. Um, she is an outstanding lady, and she has been so pivotal into helping us get me, you know, get involved with power, and helping us negotiate, you know, contacts with the city, and, and interviews to to build this. I, I think we would not be where we are without her. She is an exceptional person, and I just wanted to say that because she deserves it. Uh, we're doing what we can. Um, I think that we need to get more involved in making sure that the guests have the proper numbers for the city to call when they're exposed to things. Instead of, obviously, TripAdvisor doesn't care. Uh, these websites don't give a, you know, they don't care if there's con open construction or something. And making sure, because they're, they're there too. If you can get the consumers to start complaining about this, it's there. This is a public problem. And on all levels, safety, regulation, tax money. Have you seen the roads in Venice? This guy is not paying his taxes for it. He's getting away with that, and that pisses me off. He should have to follow the rules like everybody else. Well, it's the everybody else, too, that, that, that come, comes up, because Lance J. Robbins isn't the only scofflaw developer in this town. Uh, the Ellison Apartments isn't the only apartment building in this town where the tenants are under pressure to move out. Uh, where there's money or there's potential to make more money, there's greed. And where there's greed, there are a class of developer uh, who will basically stop at nothing. And so I think in some ways we're the canary in the cage, at least for mm -hmm. Venice. Yeah. Um, luckily, there is Judy Goldman with Keep Neighborhoods First. There's Trinidad and Bill from Power who are, they realize that, yes, this is like a, a virus. This is something sick that is getting worse. Yeah. And we have to step in now to inoculate um, this situation. And we need to bring as much attention to bear to get the city on board with this. Now we have, uh, we, we've been in, we've gone to city meetings, we've raised our voices, we've been on case uh, articles in KCRW and City Watch and Capital in Maine and the Argonaut, but it takes a lot of people complaining a lot to draw attention to basically a forest fire. Uh, un <laughs> unfortunately, we're we're all a bit late getting into this. I mean, this is like you know the gang sweeps and everything like that. I mean, you're looking at the last hold-ons yeah. here for that. So that makes it even more difficult because the economic dynamics have changed in Venice, and and it's harder to get the the number of people that are in this who aren't extremely wealthy. To, to get on here, and that, that makes it a lot harder. Well, we're all distracted working to live there, right? So it's like, the to your point earlier, the Trump-like tactics, like we are living, we are witnessing 
it's really hard for someone to hear us and it sounds crazy our stories but they're all true and we have plenty of documentation (laughs) but like like i sometimes feel like i can't even i can't believe this is really going on in front of my head like is Am I going nuts? No, even though it's right in front of me. The, the stories, the stories that y'all told me. Um, I mean, a kind of track with what I know about Venice, having lived there, but also kind of insanity in that this isn't a club, this isn't a bar. You know, this isn't like when they bring in a new bar to a neighborhood and have opening specials an entire month. This is like a an apartment building that I'm familiar with. I used to ride my bike by there. I used to have. I don't think I had friends that lived there, but lived in the neighborhood. And so the idea of that becoming some sort of a, an illicit club and hotel is really, really weird to me, and seems really extreme, but also not because. I've seen how greedy Venice can get. But Trinidad, I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about power's involvement and how this speaks to like larger fights in the city. Sure, sure. <clears throat> so the um, so part of our organizing strategy was uh, to raise a little bit more awareness about the building. Judy's done a phenomenal job with the city and with the tenants and keeping the tenants that are there, giving them some hope that some changes will happen. Um, we've started, uh, actually, Mary, um, thought up a, a cool series, uh, like an action that we're doing, a campaign rather, uh, sending out postcards. Um, we call these postcards, uh, Welcome to the Hellison. So, uh, and each postcard has a theme, you know, the various code violations, um, you know, the, the sawdust, for instance, and the, the dust from the saw, from uh, concrete and, and uh, stone, uh, you know, welcome to uh, like emphysema. Uh, there's another one where there is an illegal um, laundry room in a boiler room, which was a boiler room. And so these laundries, uh, laundry, washing machines, like are propped up right against like very hot, hot boilers. And if you, and you, you literally have maybe a couple of feet to squeeze in there and not get burned. And so they've called it Freddy Krueger's uh, summer home. I think one of the tenants, Brian. Um, there's, uh, so, so there's a we range of- overfill dumpsters because- Oh yeah. A hotel generates so much trash. Yeah. yeah. Well, they throw away their construction debris in it as well. Yes. Yeah, and so yeah. they're always getting notices from the city to uh, that they've overfilled the trash can. I mean, if you're if you're grossing out the trash man to come and pick up your stuff, that's a bad sign. Um, and in a lot of ways, I think the city has let down this building. Um, Venice Suites is another one, for instance, uh, where that's actually converted into a hotel, and we don't want to see that happen here. Uh, uh, Venice, which you know, a lot of the tech companies moving in there want to rename it Silicon Beach. Uh, and so there's there's a danger that these kinds of practices will catch on, especially for RSO housing. I mean, you're living, they literally, they literally live like a block from the beach. Yeah. It's a beautiful place to live, I, I, but you, you have to walk in there to really know how stressful the situation is. I, I mean, I just walked in and I didn't have to really see anything. I just felt it. So I can't imagine living it. Um, and even even uh, you know Bruce has a story where he you know called up uh, uh, the, the um, noise complaint line for the LAPD. What, what did they tell you, Bruce? That there were the sounds really bad. Maybe you should move. <laughs> so I mean, what what uh, what what do these tenants have to do? I mean, how much do they have to live through to get? You know, and how much law breaking has to happen before he was uh, very polite, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, so, so this is a, this is this is one of those buildings where if we can get this building shut down as an illegal hotel, get the old tenants to move back, yeah, um, you know, get, get it up to code. Uh, this can be a model for you know that the city then can apply to other lawbreakers and developers that uh, really uh, are kind of heartless and and just greedy. 
And it's one thing that, you know, it's hard to explain to people that fights like this matter because you can't turn back the clock. Like, should you all move out and two years later the city's like, oh, that can't be a hotel, can move tenants back in. Those tenants aren't getting your prices. Those tenants are getting double, triple prices. Every RSO building that we lose, every unit that, that we lose under rent control or under sustainable or, sorry, affordable housing laws is a unit that we're not getting back, that nobody's going to be able to afford at that level again. Well, and, in and, New York, and if we leave, if we leave, there's nobody there to report it. Part of the reason Lambert's been so successful is he, when he bought, I remember when he bought the Venice Suites and re renovated, he's been operating since 2007 with uh, no compliance. He's still operating, but he paid off the people to move, mm -hmm. so he doesn't have anywhere to bitch. Yeah, and, and I mean we're there. We see it. We're reporting these violations, and if we move, he can just obviously he can just operate without any. But he complaining about it. And again, this is somebody who has a fire dancer with no fire extinguishers. Yeah. Or no running water in the building. Yeah, we, went, yeah, we, we didn't have running water for three days, and he didn't even close the hotel down. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was, gave them bottles that was Thanksgiving of water. weekend. And he let them go to the other hotels to shower, but we couldn't. But uh, Carl Lambert, he tried to claim that, that the 417 Oceanfront Walk, the Venice Suites, was a hotel. Uh, that's why I went and testified that in 1973 when I was a student at UCLA, I needed a job. I took over that building as a manager. Mm. It wasn't a hotel. I had tenants who'd gone back to World War II. It was never a hotel. And the reason he wants to remove 28 of the 30 kitchens is the reason why Lance lost his lawsuit that an apartment building is an apartment building if it has a kitchen. And so anyway, that's but just urban smart growth. I mean, it's not just Venice. It's going what to come is, What is form. urban smart growth? That's, that's one of the many LLCs that Lance he operates He says he's under. a developer. He's more of a repurposer. <laughs> so there, there are other charming, historically interesting buildings all over LA, in Silver Lake, in Hollywood, where people have lived there under rent control, RSO buildings for years, but they're under the same kind of fire that we are. Wow, this is a nice, charming old building, but it'd be much better as a hotel. So here's like, here, Judy has made this up. It's got like 20 buildings that Urban Smart Growth has control of, and they're all under fire. I, I, I think that one thing, and I think power is very instrumental in this is, you know, the homeless population in LA is outrageous. And this is one of the biggest cause of this um, because there's no housing and people are being forced out and they're not being able to find a place to live that they can afford. It's absolutely obscene that people are being given $10,000 to have to go relocate. That's not enough for your first, last, and deposit plus moving fees. These people's lives are being devastated and they can't afford anywhere. It's increasing to it. And it bothers me that to have a mayor that is so such an advocate for homelessness, he's not piping in about this stuff. I mean, it, myself, my husband, we've lived there 25 years. We've built our lives there. That's where I fell in love, that's where my friends are. We're gonna have to totally relocate our lives. I think it's obscene that these people are gonna make all this sort of money and they're gonna try to force us out for $10,000? It's gross. It, it, it's gross. Well, and it's, it's one of the, the same forces that kept Venice from adequately building housing for a long while are now sweeping in to profit mightily off of this. Uh, I was wondering if you could tell me what you hope, 
what would be the best resolution for you here, and what do you want to see happen in Venice? I know resisting the developers is really hard, but what can be done to try and kind of stop this trend on a neighborhood level? Uh, I, I, I honestly don't know, um, because greed is king in this country, and a lot of people I talk to, they say, oh yeah, well he can make a lot of money there. Um, but I think one thing that surely has to happen here is regulation um, over these industries. And I, I really don't know. Something's got to be done because the displacement, the unregulations, it's, it's what do you do? Well, well, I, I mean, I don't have, I don't have a solution. I, I really don't well, know. First thing I do is get rid of that damn hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where I think like the home sharing ordinance that's currently working its way through the bureaucracy for that to be successful you're going to need something like the city enforcing laws i mean realistically our building is in violation of the zoning laws so there's enforcement that needs to actually be actively pursued but if you're going to strengthen the home sharing ordinance you're going to need something like the neighborhood watch where the, the neighborhood works with the police because they're unpaid. I mean, the neighborhood folks are unpaid. They're happily uh, willing to report violations uh, that threaten their neighborhood. Well, you, your neighborhood is threatened by unfettered um, development. So yes, in Barcelona, that's I think a pretty good example of working against Airbnb. You have the neighborhood that go, uh, folks that go around and they report violations of home sharing ordinance. And the irony, of course, is that Vice has done two articles on Barcelona, and we have a Vice office here in L.A. and Venice, and they haven't done anything on us. So it's maybe we're, we're not cool enough. We're really slow on, on the legislation uh, over this. Um, I think I think L.A. is going to have a serious problem in a couple of years because all the money's going into luxury hotels for these gentrified yeah. things and I'm sorry there's not enough people here to be able to afford that and you're pushing the salt of the earth's working class further and further and further and further out people are with jobs are living in their cars because of this stuff I mean you can't what I'm paying for my one bedroom there is $1900 you can't find a one bedroom $1900 apartment anywhere close in this area, it, 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 it's to 450 it's, square foot one bedroom it's apartment. It's wrong. So yeah. just I, I mean, something needs to be done to encourage people. I always thought, and I never understood this because I realized that there is a need for apartments and hotels. Let's take Lance's building, split the baby half and half, and make sure that these apartments are designated for workers in the area. Yeah. I mean, the traffic so far that it's fair. No, I don't. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm I mean, but sorry. it's fair. That's residentially zoned. Yeah. Screw well, yeah, land. but I'm just. I'm Go just, build it someplace else. All really, these developers are realistic. so rich. I'm sorry. Pull That's your money. Thing. Build your own damn hotel. Don't steal realistic. our buildings. Yeah, it's I, I, I when mean, are normal people going to be the priority? That's yeah. the thing. Never. It, this yeah. speaks to the. I mean, this is a huge problem. That's nothing profound, but like, when are we that taxpayers, law-abiding citizens that make these people sorry. rich? Yeah. We make these people rich, and we're and we have to suffer through it, you know. 
you know, here in LA, it's it's becoming increasingly that LA isn't for Angelinos. And what you're talking about, like a mixed use development where some of it's hotels and some of it's like a, a condo, they have that for really rich people. Like you want to drop a million and a one point one million dollars on a place in downtown or in Hollywood, you can get that and have like a Sheraton right below you. But to have a reasonably priced place that you can live in and raise your family in and kind of like go to school or you know go through your various stages of life, no, you can't have that if you're earning less than you know a hundred thousand dollars a year. And when they rebuild these buildings, you know, as a pass, what they give like three low income yeah, housing, the, which the which doesn't count low. for you know the hundreds of people they've displaced. It's it's gonna pop. Yeah. And it's could so, be interesting. So what what can we who aren't living in the building, what can we do to support you? Uh, how can we throw in on your campaign? Um, and what other things can we do to like raise awareness about this in our own neighborhoods? Jeez. Definitely, I, I think that there needs to be a cry about regulation for this sort of thing. And there needs to be more people that have to realize that they're not so different from us in the situation we're there. And we have to become stronger and stronger to start stop this luxury disaster that's coming to the city. Um, we have to become much more aware that what happens in this community, we're a society. And if our society isn't healthy, we're not healthy. We have to get rid of this NIMBY mentality, and we've got to stop looking at the work, especially the working poor, like they're vermin. Their rights are just as substantial in what they contribute. I, 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 well, I would argue they contribute more, yeah. you know, than, than these one person. Yeah. You know, I love Bernie Sanders, so I'll quote him, but <laughs> I, I love, you know, I'm, I'm tired of people working real hard. I'm not going to complain. I, I'm a lucky person. I'm, you know, whatever, but... We're all working real hard to live on the beach. That's been that's definitely been my dream. You know, obviously yeah. everyone else is too. And I didn't just land there. I had to work a decade to get there. You know, so and and most and most you know everyone's working hard and just it's I'm tired of it. I'm really tired of Lance Robbins, people like Lance Robbins, Donald Trumps, whatever. I'm tired of them winning. Yeah, and you it's, know? it's especially with Venice, like it was called Dogtown for a very good yeah. reason. by the sea. Yeah. yeah. Best secret in the world. I, I grew up in uh, Pacific Palisades in Santa Monica. So I was like eight, and like you didn't really go south of Santa Monica Pier. It wasn't super nice, and like th those deals, that cheap real estate, brought in all these incredibly rich people. And Venice doesn't feel like Venice anymore, and it makes well, me sad. I got an education as the manager of the of Carl Lambert's old building because I had. Uh, Dancers who were sometimes strippers, failed screenwriters, terrible actors, uh, beat poets who were probably on heroin. Um, and, but I also had uh, an army nurse who said, well, you're looking a little crazy. You need to go volunteer at the VA as a peer counselor. And I went, yes, ma'am. Okay, that's what I'll do. Uh, <laughs> and I got in the LGBTQ community, it's like a big deal now. It was there in Venice long before the the, the acronym became popular. Uh, there was one of the few places people of color could actually buy a home was in Venice. So what made it cool was what attracted the Lance J. Robbinses of the world. And it immediately started losing its coolness. You saw the the di diaspora of, of artists and whatnot going to places like Silver Lake, which is also now unaffordable. So it's, um, again, I think enforcing the laws that are on the books, passing the HSO, 
and enforcing the HSO and working with neighborhood groups like Power and Keep Neighborhoods First. It's the only chance we have of drawing a line in the sand or uh, trying to hold at bay for the forces that are just backed by money and law firms. It's uh, it, it, vigilance and fighting. Yeah. Uh, you can't if you're going to be passive about it. Well, you might as well just move to, you know, I, I don't know, and, and, Palm Desert or someplace. And community strength. You can't yeah. fight a yeah. landlord on your own, no. unfortunately. No. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that your caller, or rather that your listeners, can do is 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 call their city council members to get the HSO ordinance out of Plum, uh, the Planning and Land Use uh, um, This is committee. for LA City Council. Yeah, this is LA City Council. Call your council member. That's got it's stuck in Plum. Uh, so it'll go back to the city council and we have, we, there's some real fears that it'll water it down. Um, also, if you want to send a postcard, uh, one of the uh, postcards from uh, Welcome to the Hellison. Um, you can email me. Uh, we'll send one to uh, uh, City Attorney's Office, uh, Mike uh, Fuhrer. That's uh, so what we're doing and letting them know, hey, well, you know, uh, welcome to the Hellison. Look at all this law breaking going on. Another thing to keep in mind, because Mike Bonin is the city council member in question here, he's also allowing a historically black church in Venice to be turned into a, a gigantic house for a millionaire. Uh, so Mike Bonin is, is definitely a point of pressure and somebody who has a real uh, stake in what happens to this neighborhood and as far as his political career. And it's time for him to realize that like the developers don't vote as much as the tenants. There just aren't as many of them. So uh, before we go, did you all have any last words, any last thoughts about uh, this fight, what's been going on across the city in general? I will give credit to Mike Bonin for at least scheduling uh, a get-together with us at, at hours of our convenience and after working hours for him. So I think he's interested enough to, to at least listen to us. And I think he's also helped put uh, uh, a bug in the ear of some of the folks and the uh, um, HCIDLA and uh, Dan Gomez, Director of Code Enforcement. So uh, I, I want to say that I, as far as I'm concerned, as, as a council member, uh, Mike Bonin's been uh, at least trying to figure out a way to be an ally in this situation because it's a thorny problem. Yeah. So. I, I would say if anyone else is dealing with this situation that they don't be scared of the landlord's I mean, everyone has internet. If you don't, I mean, find someone that does and, and get the help that you need and don't let these people win. Keep your home because once you lose it, it's gone. Um, clearly, in my opinion, there needs to be some serious modification of the legislation and the consequences for this sort of behavior. Um, I encourage everybody to be more aware of these things uh, because they affect the people that are poor and they don't have the thing there. And we need to be aware of that. And it's through that legislation to make sure that the penalties for these white collar abuses are more severely penalized in the criminal system. And we should, because don't think you're safe because they start coming to your neighborhood. You, you know, you don't stand up here to help these people. You're screwed too. Yeah. I've heard Venice described as all the Bohemia money can buy, uh, but it's time to get it back to its working class roots. Thank you all very, very much for joining me. I'm